Welcome everyone to the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the guy who always takes the bus. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Ain't no geek off the street can jump in and jam with me anymore. The Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for the season two ending, episode 210, Level Up, is brought to you by Evita's Nail Gun for when you need to open a doorway. Pete, here we are, of course, at the end of the season. The question now, when does the season three renewal news come? Uh, last year, it had happened during the airing of season one. Mayhem uh, is coming. Mayhem, mayhem was coming indeed. Pete, mayhem came. And I guess the question now is, what is the, you know... What's the prognosis there? Uh, I certainly don't know. Your thoughts, your predictions? Have to wonder if it's a byproduct of how soon they produce this second season on the heels of the first season. If you'll remember, we had a spring. I'm sorry, we had a summer slot for Cloak and Dagger. It debuted in June of uh, 2018. And then there we are in April of 2019 with season two and there are 10 episodes and you know obviously they're filming in new orleans and and reaping the tax benefit there um it's not quite we're going to turn around after 22 episodes of agents of shield which end in may and then start filming again in july and we will be back on the air in mid-september um but it was a pretty quick turnaround for the 10 episode model Um, I'm really kind of surprised that there wasn't some tipping for, uh, season three, if not the announcement like last year. And and clearly they, you know, had a real Jones to do the, the mayhem storyline. Um, I mean, they left us with a fairly big cliffhanger that could go unresolved. I mean, let's, let's acknowledge this isn't season two agent Carter, Okay. Um, Who shot but, Thompson, Pete? We we just don't know. We don't, we'll never know. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a, a hunger for more adventures of these characters. And certainly as we digest this episode where they left us. Well, Pete, let's digest this episode. Take us to your recap. Against the dulcet tones of a mellow take on me. A female getaway driver sets a timer on a wristwatch on her steering wheel as Andre's trumpet joins in. The driver dons her ant mask as the trumpet intensifies. Glass shatters and the security guard thrown out it is shot in the head by loot-carrying ant robber. As another fires a machine gun into the bank, before they get into the car to find their driver has disappeared. A cop car pulls up only to hit a couple garbage cans, its driver also having vanished. The ant woman driver and the police officer enter Andre's club. Tandy's mom and Michaela are there too as he transitions to take on me. Tandy and Tyrone talk over an unconscious Andre who was able to do what he wanted, reach a bigger audience. But where has he taken his victims? 
They need to find someone with answers. Also searching for answers is mayhem in the MRI tube for Dr. Mina Hess with her identity crisis. Brain scans reveal not only rage, but also empathy and compassion. But Mina hasn't learned to map love yet. Just then a glass shatters and mayhem can't find Mina. Ty is reluctant to reach out to Evita after their last encounter, but Tandy insists this is not about her. And Evita heard their whole discussion through the door. She deals the cards past and present. All she sees in Andre's future is despair. Evita uses a nail gun to fasten Ty's hoodie to the church floor, so then he'll open a doorway. He's only just mastered it, though. He's humble, and it's adorable, most of the time. But today they need an emperor, not the clothes. The doorway opens between two vives on a timer of just one candle. As long as it stays lit, they can come back. They enter and find the Roxon gas station trashed. So is the viewfinder that could get them to Andre's record store. Unable to fix the viewfinder, Tandy wonders if she's strong enough to save her mother and the other missing people. Ty reveals his own doubts about himself and tells Tandy she's the strongest person he's ever met. A master thief, a kick-butt ballerina, manipulator of light, and harbinger of hope. Just not a master of space and time like he is, but maybe she can be. Tandy makes a vivet out of coins, except those aren't crosses. They look like daggers to tie, not a knife, not a sword, but they can do the job of either. The special ones are full of pure hope, the opposite of despair. She takes a breath and thinks about where she wants to be, and they're outside the mall where the windows have been broken from the inside. Evita begins speaking Creole over the candle to keep it from going out. A dark figure creeps up on her, but Mayhem shoves him out of the way. Evita explains Tyrone and Tandy went into the rabbit hole to stop a god. Mayhem grabs an axe to help Evita guard the gateway. Ahead of the escalator, Tandy and Tyrone morph into their iconic comic book forms on the way to the record store, which is now empty and the door with the vivet leads to the club. Andre's not collecting records anymore, but people. The spotlight turns on them and Tandy throws a light dagger, but Andre makes her disappear, sending her back to a conflict that's a little more her cup of tea. Ty bamfs up on Andre, but he blows his horn at him. Tandy faces her father. Ty comes face to face with himself in his home. It's not a joke as evil Tyrone is the one looking at a joke. Joke? Tandy asks her father where Andre and Tyrone are. Are they boyfriends she's too young to date? The ties fight and the evil one knows his every move. Tandy can't hurt her father because he's already dead. The horn plays 
and they sit catatonic in the club. Tandy wakes, but slips back into the grow house where she fights her father as Ty fights himself in the police station. Tandy leaves the motel as Andre approaches and she finds Ty. They are cornered and switch partners. Mayhem finds Fuchs under the helmet of one of the shadows she faces. Fuchs implores Mayhem to stop and she apologizes, but she pulls the pin on his grenades and he explodes with a Wilhelm scream. Tandy's father tells Ty it's not his fight, while evil Ty thinks he has the upper hand over Tandy. They defend one another to their greatest fears and their targets turn and run. Just as they've gotten them on the ropes, Andre intervenes, sending Tandy to the motel and Ty to the camping store where their fears find them again. As Ty faces the perfect version of himself, Tandy turns her light dagger into a sword. They vanquish their fears and come to the club just in time for the main show. Andre toots his horn, but Tandy knocks it out of his hands. Ty teleports, but Andre grabs him. Tandy tosses a ball of light to distract Andre and throws daggers past him, hitting her mother, Michaela, and Mina, which awaken them with hope. Ty grabs Andre's trumpet. Mayhem is overmatched, but Evita takes out their foes with the nail gun. Seemingly out of tricks to stop Andre, Ty opens his cloak and Tandy jumps out and impales Andre with her sword as her mother, Michaela, and Mina hold him. Tandy and Ty delve into Andre's despair and play his record, scratching it with a light dagger. The record store rumbles and they run out into the church where they're surprised to find mayhem. Tandy has a favor she needs from a cop as Evita emphatically blows out the candle in Ty's face. Ty's mother watches on TV as Connor's state senator uncle has been arrested in the largest Louisiana corruption sting in decades. From outside, Ty sees his parents are together again. Tandy packs a suitcase with her mom. Leah picks up flyers for missing girls in an orange jumpsuit. Mina works with her mice. A headstone in a cemetery in memory of Andre Deschain bears his vevey after Evita draws it on there as Ty watches from afar but he's gone before she can notice. Father Delgado sets up shop in the abandoned church, his collar in his front shirt pocket. He throws out an album of Andre Deschain's first migraine. Mayhem strings up Connor's body in the shooting range, which other cops find. Tandy says goodbye to her mother and leaves home. Ty watches Solomon and his gang associate turn down business from a man dealing in women. Tandy sits with an empty seat on a bus 
in a tag scene after a moment ty claims the aisle seat they wonder what to call bridget anymore other than bridget she told her a bunch of girls were found dead on a beach outside the city ty's never been there before tandy's never been anywhere they both need some change can they be good heroes divine and paired in other places they hold hands waffles duh the bus pulls away in loving memory of stan lee Pete, let's talk dark figures for the episode. We must start, as we have so often this season, with Andre. It's not as if he is an unsympathetic villain. Certainly somebody who flew too close to the sun with his trumpet, developed these crippling migraines, nearly ended his life, and wound up with the ability to suck people's pain from their bodies and to make himself powerful is a sympathetic figure. Um, I worry a little bit of what went on with him was a little too esoteric at times. The, the record store, uh, the, the club, this idea that they're hearing him on the wind in the, in the city and okay. So, uh, Tandy, impales him with the sword and he's dead, but they go into his despair and they mark up his despair and that kills him. I just, I think, I think at times the, the metaphor overreached just a mite. I think too, for me, there was, there clearly was the desire to tell the story the way they did. And all involved certainly deserve credit for that. The the notion, I feel like on Andre as the villain, it's a little difficult to fully outline his villainous nature. We see the bad things that he's done, but I feel like it's kind of not this, it's not quite a fully formed sketch of him. Uh, and maybe that's not a negative. Maybe that just gives kind of a nebulous real world nature to him. But uh, certainly dearly departed by the end of this episode. When we look at evil Ty and something that was teased at various points throughout the season, this alternate idea that Ty never had the loss of his brother, that his parents were still together, that everything you know, that went bad as a result of the Roxxon rig explosion instead went right and he becomes a police officer. Um, I, I think this is where the show has consistently been successful. Evaluating the lens of, uh, you know, a black man in America in 2018, 2019, with involvement against police figures and the unfortunate stuff we see on the news. And to look at him that he might become one uh, is both a refreshing and an empowering aspect. Particularly with at least the historical reputation that the New Orleans Police Department has, I must confess, kind of post-post-Katrina, post those, you know, some of those horrific tales coming out of Katrina and, and you know, obviously the objective horror of 
the situation post uh, post hurricane, but also some of the police stuff. Uh, I don't know kind of what the the current state of affairs is, but I don't know that that matters greatly for this show. This clearly was an episode and a season very focused on a certain view of nostalgia. You know, we've kidded a little bit, you know, kids these days, what with their love of jazz and record shops and things of that sort. But, you know, this is a show taking a certain look back. And if they're going to pull from a reputation of the NOPD and then contrast that with a kind of projection of Tyrone, evil Tyrone in, uh, in the police department, it's certainly made for an interesting uh, coda as we, we see that here and then with um tandy's father uh nathan showing up as as her greatest fear and her you know battling that perhaps the series longest running villain yeah and an unsavory character through and through i have to admit i i truly commend the show for not making him in this in this kind of mental projection such as it was not making him even more unsavory i think that there might have been an argument to do that to make him even worse in whatever way one can imagine uh but i think here the show demonstrated some restraint to just have him continue to act within the lines of manipulation that we've already seen him uh, exhibit well, looking ahead here at Light Theories, Matt, what with the second season concluded here, when or will they be back? I think, as we've discussed before, the rating situation for this show is not great and it's trending downward. Now, that said, I don't know how much that matters on Freeform, a, a channel that since it's purchased by Disney back when it was the Family Channel, you know, it's continued to be a weird, if not uh, challenging financial situation for the channel. So that's not to say like, hey, Cloak and Dagger is the one, you know, loser on an otherwise amazing schedule where everybody's talking about, you know, the shows that are on now. I will add, as I have in the past, other shows on Freeform are doing better. But what's that mark of success? I certainly don't know, particularly Disney being such a kind of big picture uh you know, taking that big picture view here, you know, a movie can merely break even and eh, no big deal because Tim Burton Dumbo is the live action Dumbo you're going to see on DVD, Blu-ray and Disney Plus for the next 50 or 60 years until they do the holographic mind version or whatever it might be. So is there a lower bar for Cloak and Dagger? Do we hear renewal news? I certainly would hope so. I certainly hope this doesn't wind up being Iron Fist season two in the in the waning moments there this tremendous direction teased going forward and then oh hey cancellation two weeks later um but i i i think with some reading of the tea leaves matt what with uh, joe pakowski on twitter the showrunner uh somebody had asked him during the episode there uh you know Hey, what what will go on? Can we finally get uh, Tandy and Ty together? You know, what with Avita giving him a hard time and, and their disconnection. And in the middle of the show, he said, just try to stop them from being together going forward. So I, I think maybe there are some uh, 
things behind the scenes that help us to realize that it's a better picture than it might seem. I think too, for a third season, the show may have stumbled into something incredibly lucky, which is as follows. And I certainly don't mean to bring the real world into this too much, but just as in the last week, a number of major Hollywood studios are taking a second look at their desire for long-term investment in Georgia because of some Georgia legislation. Uh, Louisiana is following a similar path in the, the legislative department. So, you know, we're certainly not here to, to argue that particular topic, but <laughs> there could be the situation where, Ooh boy, you know, it's the show already has said, Hey, they got on a bus for somewhere. The bus could be, another city in uh, Louisiana or it could be next stop anywhere but because now the show in the real world is moving production to New York, LA, Vancouver or whatever it might be and why if they're going to move why not move to oh they took the bus all the way to Canada and now they are in Vancouver just like the new filming location um and in that regard I mean you kind of you hate to see the real world impact our fictional stories, but such a conflict might be uh, about to occur. And the show, it, you know, clearly was not prescient, clearly did not have a sense that this legislation was coming, but they wrote an exit nonetheless. Well, I think the thing that, you know, ties this all together of where are they going is the idea that they are the heroes now that we know in the comic books. Their origin story is rounded out. They've fought two big battles in their hometown. There's there's nothing really more for them to do in New Orleans, in Louisiana. You know, this beach outside the city, you know, are these even places in state nearby, Matt? Are they talking about Venice Beach outside the city of Los Angeles, California? Particularly, and again, I don't, here's here's a different category of real world uh, impact, one that's a bit more kind of prescient to the, uh, I mean, not prescient, but more impacting of the entertainment industry. New York's got tax credits. Los Angeles now is increasing its tax credit situation. It really could be a case of, hey, for whatever reason, we're moving the show out of actually filming in Louisiana. You got a beach? You got a state tax credit plan? You're going to throw us X percent? How much? Okay, we will go there, particularly for a lower-rated show. It could kind of be a win-win-win in terms of the finances, the political statement that wants to be made, uh, at least by the companies, and then also just creatively, to say, hey, we're not going to grow moldy in any one spot, and now, you know, now it's cloak and dagger in Venice, in Malibu, in you know Queens, in the Bronx, in Vancouver, or whatever it is. We had that teasing through uh, the the Marvel's Runaways cast of a of a team up, and uh, did not occur obviously in this season, and as Runaways has been renewed for a third season would be the next one in the cycle as it were to pop up. Got to wonder again, if they're going to show up there. 
I, I think it's a great question, particularly since Marvel TV, uh, you know, that two years ago was pouring forth 11 different shows in a, in a TV season and now considerably less. Uh, Jeff Loeb with the lead up to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was kind of contritely saying, you know, Marvel TV has always followed the lead of, the, the lead of Marvel films, uh, Marvel Studios and what, you know, and whatnot. Um, do you have a situation where, hey, Marvel Studios has figured out that the, the, the minor team-up movie, you know, uh, Hulk and Thor, things of that sort, as Guardians of the Galaxy, things like that, that seems to be a way to keep things fresh and to cross lines. Hey, let's do that. Um, I think there's an argument to be made where if, let's say financially, worst case scenario, Pete, oh man, Cloak and Dagger canceled, but they're going to be in six of the 10 episodes of, or six of the 13 episodes of uh, the next season of Runaways. Oh man, and Joe Pakowski joins the writing staff because it's Runaways versus Cloak and Dagger or however you want to market it. That could be fun too. Delgado winds up in the church. Um, we have Mayhem kind of tie up her storyline. Ty's parents are back together. Evita, uh, you know, is giving tours again and seems to have, albeit reluctantly, embraced her um, her gifts. It feels like those storylines are all kind of ending as our characters have gotten on a bus. And, you know, I, I respect the series a bit more for that. I think yeah, you have to know when it's time to end one chapter and start the next. And if they're just kind of getting the sense, hey, we've now done the origin. And as you said, Pete, we now have the the heroes at the beginning of their heroing or, you know, kind of fully formed as they are in the comic uh, world, albeit starting that journey. Now it's time to move on to the next thing. That's, you know, better that than, you know, Hey, this isn't working. Hey, now the show, the show placed a sword that it now falls on as opposed to the show is looking to a new horizon. Did Leah deserve jail with what we know about, her meeting Andre um, and her hopes, her dreams, her goals. I think the show is well served to show her uh, in prison to some degree. I guess seeing her picking up trash and Pete, I don't know much about different levels of, you know, uh, punishment beyond, you know, supermax prison and minimum security prison that, that I get from TV. But her picking up trash is certainly a far cry from, oh man, she's in the Lex Luthor cell of, you know, bottom basement, end of the line, behind three gates. So, you know, for the show to say, oh, she gets to blame the man who made her do things, that's not the right message. That's not the the environment of this show. She made decisions. They were wrong. They were against the law. Now she pays a price. Seems to be a lesser price than Firebolt Sparky, the, the electric chair, because, you know, she must pay the ultimate price. I, I think it's one that speaks to responsibility. Is there more mayhem story to tell? I don't know. I get the sense maybe not, um, particularly since this season was sold, asterisk, 
they got to sell it at the beginning of the season. They got to sell it in the off season. You know, what you get sold on is not necessarily, you know, it's to get you to start watching. It's not necessarily to tell you this is what the entire season is about, but they sold us on mayhem is coming. Oh man, Pete mayhem is going to be the villain for next season. And she was villainous for a time, but not, not the main villain of the season. So had there been 10 episodes of Mayhem, could we have done that? Sure. They chose not to. Does that suggest that maybe Mayhem is over? I say maybe yes. And now we have what the hashtags ship us as Tyrandy, Matt, in in full view, something that should the show continue, and we certainly hope that it does, uh, they're going to explore. I think too that speaks to these characters evolving through life as as we all evolve through life, and it's something that they've held off on for twenty episodes. If now they want to explore romance, that's something that a third season could do as well. You have a new character interaction between the two of them. You have a you know new setting, new supporting characters, new, new, new. It's rebooting the show before you have to reboot because what's there is bad it's just evolving with that pete let's check the mailbag and we heard as we have all season some poignant thoughts from william cornegay and here goes pete top tier superheroes are inextricably tied to their cities batman is gotham superman equals metropolis the spider-man new york if you are a renowned enough character even your birthplace is recognizable Superman, Krypton, Wonder Woman, Paradise Island. As I've stated prior, New Orleans works well for Cloak and Dagger. In the penultimate episode, Tyrone said, I'm not expecting you, me, this city to be perfect. I'm still going to fight for it. Why do heroes fight for cities? It is an emotionally driven loyalty, like people who think Florida State is the greatest college in the universe because they graduated from there? Is it an association with positive experiences? If so, Tyrone should hate New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans took Tyrone's brother and his parents' marriage. Most homeless teenagers with that baggage would bail as soon as they turned 18. If Tyrone doesn't clear his name, why wouldn't he go? He's not that attached to Evita. Familiarity? Fear of the unknown? Tandy goes where he goes, so she's not keeping him there. Ty and Tandy get involved in the lives of the people they are trying to save. That's why they stay. Ty bonding with Solomon over an appreciation of Luke Cage is a moment that would end up on the cutting room floor of a CW superhero show, where relationships are subordinate to fights. Tyrone, now a figurative big brother, helps Solomon turn his life around. I give the writers kudos for showing, not telling, us Tandy and Ty loving their city. Obviously, this was written before the finale concluded. The young lovers actually left the Crescent City. What a finale, and I think it is the series, not season finale. Wow. Uh, Evita sacrificed to her religion. The Johnsons reunited. Tandy's mom in a good place. Bridget and Mayhem coexisting. The villain vanquished. The divine pairing paired. I'm not sad this may be the end. I will always take quality over quantity. From an artistic viewpoint, the conclusion was perfect. The ending was open-ended, yet it served as a satisfying, make that divine ending really like that uh william points to solomon that's a nice subtle thing that goes on with ty you mentioned the luke cage thing from a 
a fan service and a connected standpoint is is the thing we love to see but that he ultimately got to be a surrogate older brother to this young man in the way that uh he never got it with billy i think is an important aspect again in terms of the representation in terms of the way our society looks in 2019 uh to hear that this is the series finale uh, is a little bit of a dagger. Um, let me attempt to soften that. Matt, what if it's the end of Cloak and Dagger, but Tandy and Tyrone continue on? Well, I must confess, and you might have heard it in my voice, both Pete and dear listener, you know, I never, I don't read the emails ahead of time. So I was certainly shocked when William forecasted that this could be the end. I know the ratings say one thing, but creatively it did not sell itself as the end for sure but but obviously you know that's one way to view it and and i was a bit surprised by william's take there but pete how would you imagine cloak and dagger ending but tyrone and tandy continuing well i mean as one of four marvel tv shows still kicking jessica jones to uh to be uh you know, burnt off in two weeks, um, bringing us down to three runaways and agents of shield. Right. I'm, I'm not missing anything there, uh, until we get the, the new ones coming through. What with Pete, the only thing missing, not MCU is Marvel TV. That's Legion that, uh, when does that come out? June 24th. So yeah, as for the 2019, 2020, uh schedule yeah it's uh agents of shield it's uh, legion it's uh cloak and dagger if there is a third season and uh and runaways that's it so i envision them potentially because it's all in the family matt you know freeform hulu disney etc you know uh that perhaps they could become regulars with the runaways if not you know, after Runaways season three, morph into some new show where the two casts are together. It certainly enters, your argument is one that increasingly enters the nebulous void of, you know, what's the value to something on a streamer? Um, What's the expected long-term value of Runaways on Hulu? How many hulu accounts and how many profiles within the accounts are clicking on runaways and and all of that and will those numbers improve with cloak and dagger you know that's a factor since you can't do it off ratings but i mean time will tell last i checked runaways was not uh yet to to start filming so certainly you could have regardless of the future of of cloak and dagger you could have those actors jump on over pretty easily and uh I imagine they'd make a, a big, uh, big PR splash about it. Pete, looking ahead, let's work backwards. One week from now, we will be doing the Cloak and Dagger season two wrap. So, if you're like William, if you are William, send us your season two thoughts, and uh, you know we'll be getting together next Sunday to talk about this season of Cloak and Dagger. In the interim, uh, as Friday, June seventh is devoid, Matt. 
of Marvel TV. Uh, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to run 13 consecutive weeks, except the week it doesn't run consecutively because of the NBA playoffs. So we will be bringing you a Jessica Jones season three, the final season preview to fill that gap. Also, probably midweek this week, we'll quickly touch in with our Picard uh, podcast and give our thoughts on the preview and the latest show news there. And probably at some point in the next couple of weeks, we'll leave this galaxy for another one and just talk the current state of Star Wars and the Mandalorian series and, uh, you know, talk some of that, that sweet, sweet Star Wars land news, etc. And Pete, does it get any better than this? We got, we got our cable Marvel show. We got our Netflix Marvel show. We got Star Trek, Star Wars. It's a great time to, uh, to be talking Fantastic Geek. None of it possible without the people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Indeed. We are so proud to be listener supported and to know that uh, they lend a hand when it comes to the bleeps and the bloops and the costs, etc. So big thanks to everybody who goes to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and uh, lends a hand. Pete, lots of treats there, but the best one is always free. That's talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,517 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more! Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P-H, all one word, like it today. As mentioned, we're going to hit up Cloak and Dagger Season 2 one more time next week, so share those thoughts with us. With that, Pete, it's time for me to get on the bus and say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Yo, you heard my boy. Moving on.